the blind stares of a million pairs of eyes looking hard but won't realize that they will never see the peace. <laughs> football back. My name is Chris McLean. I am the hater-in-chief of Hater Radio. Um, I've been doing this podcast a couple of years now. I believe this is the, this might be the fifth season because this is the second season I've done it here in LA and I did it. No, this is, this is the fourth season because I did it I did it once at my place in St. Pete and then once in Brooksville while I was living with my parents. And then these last two seasons have been done here in L.A. So, yeah, this is the, this is the, well, yeah, well, this is the fourth season. This is the fourth season of Hater Radio. Um, we now have a website, thank God, that moves us further on the, uh, the Richter scale, you know. So, HaterRadio.com, that's ours. You can find us at Hater Radio. Just type it in Google. It'll bring up my Insta or my um, uh, or my uh, my Twitter or my or the website. So just yeah, I'm I'm in Google right now. Let's see, Hater Hater Radio. That's all I'm typing. And the first thing is my SoundCloud. Um, then the Twitter. Then the Instagram. Let's see if the website, the website does not come up. So you have to, you have to punch it in. Either let's see, just haterradio.com if it comes up. Yeah, haterradio.com comes up. Uh, so it, it comes up if you type it in, in either in the browser or in the Google search. But you have to do it as .com. It won't come up just haterradio. And then, um, yeah, right now we've got, um, up on the website, we've got the Florida Gators season preview done by Ian Gibson, who will be on shortly, uh, that we recorded yesterday. Um, and then I gave my season preview for the SEC, um, uh, pretty fair take, like usual. We try not to be biased 
yes, you know, me and Ian are both Gator fans, but we try to be as unbiased as we can uh, here at Hater Radio. Um, yeah, so I got the website. You can look it up. Uh, there's game day photography as well that I took at one of the USF games that I got uh, um, uh, media passes to. And they're actually pretty good photos. I'm really impressed with the way they look right now, looking at them again. Um, it was a good camera. I got that stolen like a year and a half ago, but I'm actually getting a new one. So, uh, Anyways, so a little bit about me. My name is Chris McLean. I graduated from law school in 2011. The law school I went to was Florida Coastal School of Law. They uh, had a program there specifically geared towards sports law. You could get a certificate in. I actually didn't get the certificate, but I took every class possible in that program. So basically, I did that program without getting the certificate. I just didn't have the grades to get it. Uh, but anyways, regardless, you know, a lot of sports law knowledge uh, I ended up doing two internships, um, one at Gardner-Webb University in North Carolina. It's a smaller school, and then, uh, but they play D1 and everything but football. And then um, the other internship I did was at the University of South Florida, which I, an, I am an alumni to, um, which probably helped in my favor. Uh, I got that internship, and it was great. Got to go behind the scenes at a, you know, a decent-sized D1 program, especially they were doing really well at that time with football. Uh, they kind of fell off for a little bit, but they've come back with, uh, you know, the the latter part of Willie Taggart's uh, career at South Florida and uh, Charlie Strong coming in. So, um, yeah, so that was my experience with uh, the college world. And then I also um, played semi-pro football twice, I uh, played one year in Jacksonville for the Jacksonville Knights of the FFA and uh, the Florida Football Alliance. And then I also played for the, uh, the uh, um, Southwest Florida Gladiators, who we ended up winning a championship that year. It was the state championship. The year we won, our league was voted the number one league in America. So being the number one league in America, we won, you know, we were the best we were essentially the best team in America. There is, since that point, they have done, uh, like, rankings with each individual teams. Like, before they didn't do that, but now they do. So, like, the team that I played for, the Southwest Florida Gladiators, since that point, they have gone on to win uh, two more championships. Um, they had an undefeated season, like, uh, one of the years, and they didn't win the championship, but they've only lost, like, in the last, like, three years, they've only lost, like, two or three games or something. Something ridiculous. And they've been highly rated as one of the best teams in the country year in and year out the last couple of years. So it was really awesome to play for them. I played uh, uh, D-line, uh, D-tackle on D-end, and then I played a lot of special teams. And, um, yeah, it was fun. And I, I tried playing running back for the Jacksonville Knights, but just I, I was in law school at the time, and I didn't have enough time to – play so I ended up quitting like halfway through the season I wish I had stayed because it looked like I probably because if I had stayed I probably would have gotten more playing time but I kind of just like gave up but anyways that was uh my career as a football player my you know knowledge base is college athletics I'm a huge college football fan I've been a college football fan ever since I was like seven eight years old um, watching especially in the 90s the Gators uh, Seminoles and Hurricanes 
uh, dominate college football. You know, in that in that in that uh, decade, there was four championships between those three teams. And you know, living in the state of Florida during that time, uh, you know, everyone was you know who who was your team, and you know you you hated everyone, and you know yeah you just and that's that's essentially like how this thing came about, how Hater Radio came about. I you know I'm about the rivalries between the teams, you know the you know the it is hate, but it's also a bit of respect because you know your rival, you know, can beat you on any given day. And, uh, it's something that, um, you know, it's, it's, I just love college football so much. And, uh, to be, you know, to be able to, you know, uh, express my opinion on this podcast, you know, to people hopefully listening to it. And, you know, uh, it's just something that I love to do. I've done it, like I said, for the last, this is the fourth year. And, um, I, um, I'm definitely looking to make this thing go further. You know, it's just, it, it's just, honestly, I think if I like put more effort, effort in the off season, I might have more, uh, growth, but because I stop usually around, uh, mid January, I don't really get the growth that like could help, but there's really not that much to talk about. And I don't really like talking about recruiting that much. I'm not really a big fan of it. I it's a necessary evil, but like I don't really care for it that much. I'll watch on the signing day, but I don't sit there and like look at oh who's signing who. I don't really give a shit. Like for the most part, I care about the games, the wins and the losses and the stats. I don't give a shit about the recruiting. I really don't. And uh, you know, it's all about who's who's going to be winning on game day. And you know, the season is starting. So let's uh, break off with um, uh, Ian's interview right now. Today we bring in uh, Ian Gibson, uh, Hater Radio's inside reporter for uh, Florida Gators and the SEC. Um, Ian, how are you, man? How you doing? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me on, man. Hey, uh, so to begin with, let's talk about this... Uh, the. The the whole thing I really want to talk about at first off is the uh, the situation with how many people have left, like Chris Steele transfers in the beginning of the the, the off season, and then uh, recently uh, John Huggins left due to some uh, off the field issues, and then a total of like allegedly like nine players around that have entered the transfer portal, and then even this week there was another uh, recruit that. Uh, Denver stepped foot on campus, but yet he had uh, he was academically ineligible. What do you feel that like going forward for the team overall, like with all these issues happening? What, what do you think like the, the outlook for them is? I would say at least this first year, it, it's gonna at least for the preseason, it's definitely gonna look rocky. And usually, we we say off the field distractions shouldn't affect the team, but I mean we saw in what was it twenty. Uh, 17, Jim McElwain's, uh, you know, final year, or really half of his final year, uh, when, you know, Callaway, Scott, those guys got suspended, and it was a huge, glaring, uh, you know, problem throughout the season, uh, and even at the beginning of the season, it was a huge distraction uh, for it. Uh, however, though, this doesn't normally, uh, this isn't just, you know, the Gators that's been affecting them. Every team, uh, usually in the South, uh, especially even like Alabama, 
our Georgia has been hit with, you know, the transfer, transfer portal bug uh, now, uh, including other, you know, up north schools, uh, Ohio State, uh, Michigan has had a couple players go. Um, I would say, though, it definitely does not look good for recruiting for the next season, especially with how Chris Steele left and the whole uh, situation for why he left. Um, it doesn't really look good for recruiting, so I would say at least for this offseason, at least for the offseason, it could definitely hinder recruiting for the Gators because, I mean, when you see these, you know, recruit, you know, commit and then leave, especially after Dan Mullen said something about Justin Fields leaving Georgia about, you know, if he's, I think it was along the lines of if you're going to recruit somebody, they don't even stay, what's the point? And that's kind of what's been happening uh, to the Gators so far this offseason. Uh, hopefully, though, uh, this is a much more, uh, this team, at least in the beginning of the season, is a much more mentally strong team than what we saw in 2017, where we can see there were obviously glaring problems from the very get-go that off-the-field distractions were making its way onto the field. So hopefully, you know, Dan Mullen can find a way to have, rally his team and focus on the goal in hand and not worry about the uh, off-field distractions this season. Yeah, and, and hopefully they will. Um, so let's move on to the, uh, the, the outlook of uh, this season specifically. Um, let's talk about the offense first. Um, the, the key with the offense is obviously going to be a few things, but the most important one is going to be the, uh, the second year in Dan Mullen's offense for the whole of the offense, but also for Felipe Franks. Tell me what, how you feel about Felipe coming into his junior year. I feel, I actually feel very uh, excited. I, you know, I'm sure like probably every other Gator fan, when we saw Felipe Franks, you know, his first year really playing, it didn't really, you know, he, he was really a deer in the headlights. He, you know, he had really no direction uh, under that. But Dan Mullen being the quarterback whisperer he is, we literally saw game by game the progress he, he made at quarterback. Like, I remember... Um, him against uh, Kentucky, um, the first like real, I, w- I won't say maybe real test, but first like true test of the season last year, and he was just firing ducks left and right, couldn't really get focused, but then when you look at him, at, like the end of the season when he was playing, you know, Florida State or, you know, Michigan, he was, you know, hitting those crossing routes on a tee, it looked so good, and you can tell Dan Mullen said something to him, you know, just focus on, you know, the simple plays. Don't try to do anything too bad. Because we know he's got a can of an arm. It's all about, you know, the precision accuracy. That's been the problem with him. But we saw Dan Mullen and uh, his offense kind of cater to, you know, start small and big. We saw a lot of, you know, screen, you know, bubble screen, swing routes, uh, dump off passes to the halfback that work uh, up to Felipe Franks, you know, hitting those uh, big long plays. So I'm definitely excited to see, you know, since we saw his progress uh, last year, now he's hitting those mid-range routes, those crossing routes, that now Dan Bowen will probably feel more comfortable to call bigger plays uh, for him. And not to mention, too, uh, Felipe Franks can run. He's a bruising uh, quarterback. Uh, so that those option plays, you know, the days we saw in the spread offense when uh, Urban Myers were here, uh, we can possibly see a lot more of that, too. Maybe not as mobile as the other quarterbacks that are in the roster, but he's definitely mobile enough to, you know, get those pitch routes on those option plays or even a couple QB uh, draws uh, right up the middle, middle to get a first down or so. 
Yeah, and that's what honestly um, I, I've noticed and stuff I heard was the fact that he um, Frank's willingness to be a runner um, changed, especially uh, in that South Carolina game. And like the difference between like midway through that South Carolina game to the rest of the season uh, going forward and then the, what happened before that is like night and day. Like, you know, the 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 passing lanes were open because of the fact that they had to respect the fact that he was going to run. And because that happened, it changed like everything. Like, like at that point from when they were down against South Carolina on, they probably outscored every team they played. I would say, I don't even, I, I'm just giving a rough, rough estimate because I remember most of the scores were like 40 something to like 10. So they probably like scored like 160 points to like 40 points or something like that. So they really did a number on that point forward. So uh, the next question I have, um, the the O-line, what do you think, Do you are you concerned about the, the inexperience or what is your, your take on that so far? I would say I would say that is uh, if anybody did read my article, that was definitely the biggest concern I did have on uh, offense. That that offensive line is really on the only uh, person, a part of that whole offensive line, and even the tight end position, which uh, you know is important for blocking as well. The only person that has any uh, major in-game experience is uh, Stone Forsythe at left tackle. Everybody else is getting their first snap. Of their uh, career, mostly, they're going to get their first real major playing time. And I'll tell you what, it's like being thrown into the fire uh, when your first game is against, you know, Miami, who's a very tough team. Um, and I said that, too, in the article, is that you have to look at the Miami game and also realize that offensive line, this is the first time they're, like, not going to be playing, you know, the practice squad. They're going to be playing a real team, let alone a very good team in Miami. So there's going to be, I feel... There's going to be some growing pains, would be a good way to put it, uh, as there is for, you know, any uh, first-year uh, player, you know, getting his first substantial time. Uh, I do say that is probably going to be the crush of the whole offense, is that offensive line. Because uh, if, you know, they, you know, Dan Mullen's recruiting proves out to be right, and he got good offensive linemen that is able to hold the floodwaters of the SEC defenses, and give us, you know, Felipe Franks time to, you know, find Tyreek Cleveland or uh, Hammond around there, uh, and also, too, to open up lanes for uh, Piran and everybody, then the team is going to be fine. The team is going to be clicking, uh, you know, no problem. But if that line shows its experience and it just gets bullied, uh, it might be, you know, a rough season. We're going to have to see Felipe Franks' mobility having to scramble around the pocket when, you know, those defensive linemen are chasing him down. Yeah, and then um, as far as the uh, the skill position, the wide receivers and the running backs, um, have you ever seen, I mean, like, it, it's almost been a barren wasteland for the last, like, 10 years for these positions, but this year more so than probably since Tebow was there, the, like, the positions are just stacked, right? Yeah, I was going to, I was getting flat when I was writing the article, I was thinking to myself, you know, we got Tyree Cleveland, we got, you know, Josh Hammond, and now, you know, Freddie Swain, and, you know, we got the guys like Jacob Copeland coming up, and I remember I was thinking to myself, like, man, this is reminding me of the days, you know, per- Percy Harvin, Lewis Murphy, those guys, you know, Riley Cooper were there, uh, it's that, it's that strong of a core, I feel, maybe not as good as that, because that might be, you know, one of the best wide receiving cores of all time in college football history, but it's at, definitely at that level in terms of how much depth they have and how many weapons 
receiver brings like a new, you know, trick, has a new trick up their sleeve, you know, like Tyree Cleveland, you know, is an incredible route runner, can, you know, fly up and will do literally as we, you know, he broke his collarbone diving for a ball. So he has no problem, you know, putting his body on the line, diving for the ball and, you know, doing whatever it takes to get it. Uh, Josh Hammond is, you know, the number two. He's more, he's really like a, more of a, a very fast tight end when you look at him. He's very, you know, bulky. He's able to bully the cornerback, you know, brush off him at the line and create space for himself. You know, Freddie Swain, too, can be uh, used on those bubble screen routes. We saw that last year. Uh, Frank Swain hit uh, Swain on a bubble screen, and that speed that Swain had could just rip off 20 yards in a flash. Uh, so every one of the three, you know, big wide receivers that we'll be seeing this year, every one of them will bring something new to the table, and that could cause problems for that defensive secondary, whoever they play, because uh, you got to focus, you know, are you guys fast enough? Are you strong enough, uh, you know, to handle these wide receivers uh, on defense? Yeah, and uh, like, and you like, you got to include also Van Jefferson and Trayvon Grimes as well in that mix. And and but and we should talk about the running backs as well because like you know Lamichael P Ryan is in his I believe this is his senior year and um, he's gonna be the bell cow and uh, what about the rest of those guys though and the, the whole entirety of the running backs let me uh, let me I want your opinion on those guys I, I would say you know with the exception of P Ryan the player I'm most excited to see even for the future is Damian Pierce. And the reason is that is what when we saw Pierce, he, you know, he was used as pretty much the backbreaker last year. We saw when he played, you know, Tennessee, South Carolina, Florida State. Uh, whenever they had a substantial enough lead and just wanted to put them to bed, they said, okay, Pierce, you know, you got the 50-yard line, go score a touchdown. He has such an, like, explosive uh, quality to him. He finds a lane and he just, turns on some switch, and he's just off the races. And when he was recruited out of Georgia, he broke Herschel Walker's high school rushing record. Out of the state of Georgia, he holds, he broke Herschel Walker's rushing record. And I saw that, I'm like, how is somebody that breaks his record only a four-star recruit? Uh, and, I, you know, when we saw it last year, I saw, oh, that's why, you know, he broke Herschel Walker's record in high school. He has such an explosive ability of him. And not only to mention, too, you know, Physically, he's very, he's built like a bruising running back as well. So he's got the speed. Yeah, he's a beast. A lot of him breaking the tackles, too. Uh, but I'm sure, you know, him being the now number two, uh, now he'll probably get more snaps as well. Uh, so we'll see him really go into the trenches, see if he can break off some tackles. But we definitely know the explosiveness and, explosiveness and the speed is definitely there for Damian Pierce. Yeah, and, and like we were talking about, like it, this is the second year under Mullen's uh, system, so I'm expecting, you know, a huge jump up in performance, and uh, I think it'll be, I don't know, you know, like if they're going to touch the, the Tebow era type numbers, but I think they could come close. I mean, they did really well last year, and this year could be, you know, you know just a continuation of you know, a progression of what happened last year. Yeah, yeah, it definitely, uh, hope, you know, like I said, hopefully it does turn out. But we know Dan Moy, you know, he did a great job at Mississippi State and that, uh, uh, with uh, his offense. Uh, so if we, if that all holds true, it should, uh, hold well. The other thing, too, is that, uh, uh, 
move on to the defense and um like specifically i like you know i don't think there's that much weakness on the defense as far as maybe like depth in the the secondary but give me some of your uh like highlights of players or just like keys to what the defense is for this year season was such a a step back for the defense which honestly is probably the first time in a long time that it had a step back because it had been on such a high level even in the bad years of uh must champ you know even the the four and eight year and like the seven and six year after that they they still like had a high level of you know uh defensive play that kept them in pretty much every game and yet, you know, last was it 2017? They had such a bad year, and it looked, it looked really pathetic. It was, a, it was a, a lot to do with, 
a lot of people were a lot of players were quitting during that that season and it just did not look good but last year it was a return to form and uh like the players are there you know Todd Grantham's a really good defensive coordinator and I expect a lot out of him this year as well so both offense and defense look great um let's do a little bit about special teams and then we're going to go over the Miami game so how do you feel about um the the kicking situation and the returners I think, I think they did. I think I think he had one. I think Freddie Swain had one against Colorado State. I can't remember if it was a punt or a kick, but I'm almost positive they returned one last year. Yeah, and uh, in terms of uh, the other special teams, I would say, you know, uh, probably a coach's best friend has been uh, the punter, and Tommy Townsend is an uh, all-American punter uh, at that level. Uh, but then we have, you know... Uh, uh, Evan, uh, Evan McPherson, who, you know, after, you know, steady Eddie, Eddie Nero left, I was kind of worried. I was, you know, because the kicking has been very iffy, to say the least, the past couple of years until uh, Eddie Pinero. Uh, but Evan McPherson filled in his lane and did uh, an exceptional uh, job. He, I'm pretty sure he hit a couple of 40-plus yarders um, with, with or without, you know, like the Kentucky game where it was good and they said no good. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But uh, it was, uh, you know, another – the special team should be very uh, solid, especially in the kicking game. Uh, so if, you know, like I, if it comes down to, you know, like a 35-yard field goal or something like that uh, and to win the game, I'm not going to feel too, you know, panicky about uh, Evan McPherson kicking it. I think the only concern I have for special teams might be the, uh, the, the kickoff and punt coverage. Just because of the lack of depth, so there might be some issues there. Just because of guys that like would have been playing on special teams are not there now, so they have to like fill in holes with like you know complete freshmen that you know may may mistakes. But I mean, overall, Dan, uh, Dan Mullins has done a good job of uh, upping the level of special teams. I know last year they had quite a few blocks. And, uh, you know, com- like, cause the, the, with McElwain, it seemed like special teams like took a back seat to everything. And there was like a lot of mistakes. Yes. You know, uh, Eddie was there, but like they didn't block any punts or field goals when McElwain was there, but it definitely came back last year. Yeah. he wasn't really too aggressive on special teams. They really go for blocked punts or kicks, uh, all that. Well, I remember too, when, you know, uh, they were doing tryouts with like the mascot was trying out for kicker uh, and all that and I was like well that's not really showing a whole level of confidence in your special teams uh, uh, in that uh, department but it's good to see that you know the special teams at least is getting back to you know what it should be um, just 
you know, solid playing time and hopefully very little mistakes. Yeah, definitely. Okay, so let's uh, let's break down. It's finally we're less than a week away. This is Sunday, and the game is on Saturday. Um, it's uh, Miami, Florida. It's in Orlando. Uh, bragging rights for the state. Um, recruiting, you know, like everything. So it's like it's not just a game against a good non-conference opponent. There's uh, the rivalry and the recruiting are on the line. So there's a lot going into this game. Um, Miami is coming off a seven and six season where uh, Mark Rick uh, quit or retired or whatever he did. Manny Diaz has taken over uh, the quarterback situation at Miami. Uh, they had Tate Martell coming in, but he didn't win the job. Uh, uh, I can't remember the guy's name. I think it's Williamson, the redshirt freshman, ended up winning the position, so he'll be starting. I hear good things about him, uh, so he actually should do pretty well. Um, the team does have a lot of talent around them, but what is your opinion going into this game? I'll say this has been, I've been wanting them to play Miami since, uh, honestly, since, you know, I was a kid, because uh, the whole, you know, Florida three-way rivalry between all teams. Um, so I've been, uh, since they announced this game, I've been excited since they announced it, and I've been looking forward to it. And I was hoping Miami is good, and the way they are looking, they do appear to be uh, good. Uh, yeah, Miami is a very solid, very solid team, more defensively uh, savvy uh, then probably offensively. Defense uh, usually held the, the water for a lot of the games last year, and offense kind of struggled, although that was to be expected last uh, last year when, you know, the whole Mark Rick situation was happening. So once again, the off-the-field off distraction playing into the field uh, is becoming a problem. Uh, I would say, you know, this is, pr- you know, probably the – toughest team Florida's going to play before they enter the uh, month of October. Uh, so they better not look at this as a normal warm-up, you know, it, oh, this is like some D2 school. No, this team, and not only that, Miami is looking the same way at Florida. Uh, so the Gators have to look at Miami the same way Miami is looking at them to, you know, really want to beat them. you got to, you know, actually play this game. You can't, you know, just toss around. I always make the comparison uh to the Gators last year, uh, the one game I always make a comparison is what team are we going to get? Are we going to get a team like they played against Kentucky where they were playing very arrogantly? They weren't, you know, really trying to win the game. They were just probably just showing off until it was too late. Because uh, we saw that tenfold against Kentucky uh, last year. Or are they going to play like they did against Michigan where they're trying to win the game and do whatever they can to win? If they go in uh, and play Miami, uh to win the game and want to beat them and not just show off, then they're going to win the game. I will say, though, it's probably going to be a rough first half uh, for the Gators. Uh, I would say mostly because of that offensive line. It might be a struggle for the, the offensive line because, like I said, that's their first real playing time they've ever had at uh, the college level. So it's going to be a bit rough for them, I would say, in the first half. But they should get it together. I do feel that the Gators have more weapons on both sides of the ball to win the game for them. It's going to be close. Miami will probably get a couple early scores, but the Gators should settle it down and find a way to win the game. All right. And I, uh, it's funny. I had a dream the other day, um, and it was like the, it was between 
like I was watching the game and the the final score was 36-35 Florida, but I don't think it's going to be that high scoring of a game. But um, what do you think final score might be? same I think it's going to be like you said like it's going to be you know struggle first half but then like find their way in the second half and then uh, likely pull away and I, I I think the Gators are the better team here you know they looked better last year you know they have the better quarterback situation as of right now um, so I you know I, and I feel they have a lot of talent on both sides of the ball so I think they'll be able to get it done. Um, well, that's uh, that's it. How we feel about the uh, wrap up of the Miami game, Ian? I will go ahead and uh, um, uh, let you go. But uh, thanks for coming in today. Um, uh, we'll uh, we'll talk about some more games, and then uh, yeah, okay. And again, I would like to thank Ian for coming on. Um, and uh, being such a huge part of Hater Radio so far. Um, uh, it's really another step up in the evolution of this, uh, of what we're trying to do here, you know, and getting someone like Ian on to help with uh, the reporting and uh, doing the insights um, and, uh, you know, moving forward, getting the website as well. But anyway, so <clears throat> I wanted to do, uh, you know, my normal previews, uh, uh, season preview. I do an overview of like the champions of each conference. Then I do a CFP look, and then I do uh, a, a Heisman rundown as well. I'm actually going to do an SEC thorough rundown. I already did it. It's on the website. It's on Hater Radio. You can look on the link there. Um, but I just wanted to go over a few things. Um, uh, Alabama again will roll. I don't have an issue with that. I don't see anything slowing down there. Um, the one thing that I do want to point out, uh, is the fact that I'm not that high on LSU. Like, you know, Paul Feinbaum is and everyone else is. I don't get the fascination, uh, with this team. They are talented. Yes. They have a lot of good players and I see a lot of them. Uh, I see that a lot have come back, but I just don't feel that they were that viable last year. You know, you throw out that uh, A&M game and their stats go like way down and like they very, they weren't that great to begin with, even with that A&M game in there. So I just don't see them being that like potent of a team um, or potent, sorry, potent of a team. They're bringing in um, uh, a guy that was a coordinator He's the passing game coordinator uh, for that worked with the Saints. I just don't see like uh, 
him being there one year is going to be like that dramatic of a difference. It's not like they're bringing in Sean Payton, you know. They're bringing in a guy that learned for or, for a year and was in other spots, and I don't think he's going to be that amazing. Um, yeah, he might have learned a lot, but doesn't mean he's going to be that great. There's no guarantee in that. And uh, like I like I predicted, I have losses to Texas, Alabama, and I have a surprise to Mississippi State. They're going to beat Florida, you know, because that game's on at home. Um, and I feel that they're going to lose that Mississippi State game just because I feel uh, Mississippi State is not that bad, um, and they're going to uh, they're going to play pretty well. But they, you know, honestly, there is behind Alabama, there is four really good teams. There's Mississippi State, Texas A&M, Auburn, and LSU, and they're all going to have very similar records. Uh, A&M uh, has the toughest schedule. They have to go to Clemson. Um, they play, uh, I think they play Georgia as well. Yeah. So it's like, they've got the toughest road to go. I have them losing to Auburn, Georgia, and LSU. Um, but I'm giving A&M the surprise win against Bama. So that'll be this one surprise for Alabama this year. Uh, the rest of it, the only other thing I have that's of note is I think Ole Miss is going to do very bad this year. And I think Matt Locke or Matt Luke is going to get fired. Um, yeah, which is sad because a lot of people like him, but I just don't see, I don't see it with him. I don't see, you know, what everyone else sees. He, um, his defense has been atrocious and you have to stop people, especially when you're going up up against teams like A&M and uh, Auburn and, uh, uh, Alabama that like to score points. You got to stop people. You can't outscore these guys. And you're just going to get blown out. Um, on the other side, uh, the three top teams that I have are Georgia, Florida, and Missouri. Again, I'm not as high on Georgia as everyone else thinks. They're like so out there. But their lack of wide receiver experience is really, really a downfall for me. Really a you know something that's going to be a bugaboo. Especially in the beginning you know, and they have to play Notre Dame early. Um, I have them losing to Auburn late and then Missouri late. And that Missouri team is going to be really good. Um, they have Kelly Bryant. They did pretty well last year. Um, they have a lot of returning guys coming back. Um, uh, they should do fine. Uh, they have a lot of their running backs coming back. Uh, it, um, I don't know, it, but with Missouri, I have them losing to South Carolina, Vandy, and Florida, um, but I do have them beating Georgia, and then Florida, I have them losing to Georgia and LSU, um, and then anything else of note, I don't think Kentucky's gonna be that good, like, you know, they did fine last year, but honestly, I don't expect them to, like, be as good as they were last year. I have them losing to Florida, Mississippi State, South Carolina, Georgia, Missouri, and Tennessee. I just don't don't expect them to do very well. And I have Tennessee going 5-7. and seven. Um, I just, I don't see it either. I'm not the biggest Pruitt fan. Um, I don't know. I it, He's all right defensively, but it's really, I don't know. I just, 
it, it, it's a wait and see with that one. Um, and uh, they, it looks like they got a lot of work to do. But either way, um, the SEC championship game is going to be an Alabama one-loss team against a two-loss Georgia. And Georgia still has an outside chance of getting in the CFP at that point. But they're going to lose to Alabama. And Alabama's SEC champion and will be... Um, we'll go further into the CFP in a second. Uh, as far as the ACC, I've got Clemson over Virginia. Uh, Clemson, um, I pick will be undefeated at that point. In the Big Ten, I have a tiebreaker with Michigan, Ohio State, and Michigan State, all three going 10-2. and two. So because they go 10-2 and two and then 7-2 and two in conference, there's uh, like a three-way tie. I don't remember exactly the tiebreaker because it doesn't happen all the time, but um, I most of the time it's like rankings, like where they're ranked, and because like the head-to-head situation is kind of mullied uh, because of the fact that you know Michigan will beat like Ohio State and Michigan State beats, so it's like different. So I don't know exactly how um, it it'll configure, but if they're all tied. It usually goes by a ranking situation. Who's ranked higher? And I'm thinking that it's going to be Michigan. And then on the other side, it's going to be Iowa. And then I have Michigan over Iowa. Uh, but Michigan will be at uh, at that point 11-2. So they'll be outside looking in. Oklahoma I have going undefeated. And then playing at the one-loss Texas team that, they had, that Oklahoma had already beaten. And then I have Oklahoma in the Big 12 Championship beating Texas. Then in the Pac-12 Championship, I have a... Uh, I think it's a one-loss Oregon team beating a two-loss Utah team. And Oregon wins. So Oregon will be 11-12-1 and uh, and one at that point. Oklahoma undefeated. Clemson undefeated. Alabama one loss. And Michigan with two losses. So, with that in mind, the CFP, the 1 versus 4 is going to be Clemson versus Oregon. And then the 2 versus 3 is going to be Alabama uh, versus Oklahoma. Actually, switch that. Uh, the 2 versus 3 is going to be Oklahoma, Oklahoma versus Alabama. And then... The winners of those games, I'm going to have the championship game is going to be Clemson versus Oklahoma. And then in the surprise, I'm having Oklahoma win it all. And uh, Jalen Hurts gets his redemption story. And uh, it'll be quite ridiculous if that happens. I'm, I am rooting for the guy. He did really well last year by staying and, um, you know, getting the tie, that SEC championship. And then... Um, uh, getting them to the playoff, you know, it's really a lot of guys would have just transferred. He did not. He stayed there, and he, uh, you know, it was pretty cool of him to do that because, you know, anyone else probably would have just left and been like, ah, fuck you guys. But he stayed and did the right thing and left with his head held high. And now he's getting a chance to be the guy in Oklahoma, and he just was named the starter today. So, yeah, so we'll see how that goes. Uh, as far as Heisman, um, let's go over potential Heisman. Um, my long shot is Derek King 
out of Houston. He had a 63.5% completion percentage. He passed for 2,982 yards, 36 passing touchdowns, and 6 interceptions. He rushed for 674 yards and 14 TDs, giving him a total of 50 uh, touchdowns and 3 fumbles lost. So he had 9 total turnovers. Um, So he's the dark horse. Then the the next possible, um, the fifth candidate is uh, Justin Herbert from Oregon. Last year he had a 59.4 completion percentage. He passed for 3,151 yards. He was, I think, I think he missed some time of some of the games because he was injured. But he passed for 29 touchdowns and he had eight interceptions. He rushed for 166 yards. Uh, two touchdowns and one fumble loss with a total of 31 touchdowns and nine turnovers. Jonathan Taylor from Wisconsin had 2,194 yards rushing, 16 TDs, and he had four fumbles lost, which is actually the most out of anybody on this list. And he also had six the the year previous, which is kind of high. Uh, he had 60 receiving yards as well. Uh, Travis Etienne from Clemson, he had six, uh, 1,658 rushing yards, 24 TDs, one fumble loss, 78 yards receiving, and two TDs, so 26 total TDs. Definitely look out for that, but he might, um, he might be... Uh, you know, because of the fact he's paired up with Trevor Lawrence, it, it like eats into each other. Like because they're both on the same team, their hype doesn't get as much because they're both competing for that same award. So it's kind of difficult to like to judge. Trevor Lawrence, speaking of him from Clemson, had a sixty-four, sixty-five point two percentage completion percentage, three thousand two hundred eighty yards uh, passing, thirty TDs passing, four interceptions. Rushing, he had 177 yards and one TD rushing and three fumbles lost. So he had 31 touchdowns to seven uh, turnovers. He also wasn't the starter the whole year because Kelly Bryant was still there. So um, next one is the top dog is Tua. Uh, Tua Gavaloa, I I think that's how you say his name. I never know. I just call him Tua, basically. Uh, He had a 69% completion percentage. He passed for 3,966 uh, yards, 43 passing touchdowns, 6 interceptions. He rushed for 190 yards and 5 more touchdowns, and uh, he had 2 fumbles lost. So he had a total of 48 uh, touchdowns. It's funny, Derek King had more touchdowns total than uh, Tua. But um, I think the one, the, the biggest one is definitely going to be Tua. He's got such a high completion percentage, and if he's healthy, if his knee is fine, I think he's going to put up huge numbers. I, um, you know, Kyler Murray last year, let's see, Kyler Murray. Had 4,361 yards passing, 42 TDs and 7 interceptions, and a 69 completion percentage. He also had 
a thousand yards rushing and twelve TDs. Damn, that is a lot. I mean, I didn't realize he had that much yards. God, good lord, that's over five thousand three hundred and sixty-two yards total with. 54, 54 touchdowns. I mean, let's compare that to um, God, Lamar Jackson. Lamar's Heisman winning year. He had 3,543 um, passing yards, 30 TDs, 9 interceptions, and he had 1,571 yards rushing and 21 TDs. So he had 51 touchdowns and less yards. So yeah, Kyle, like that's what I don't understand is like Kyler Murray had this massive year last year, yet it's not talked about as being... I think it's because of the fact that they they play in the Big 12 and the defenses aren't as good. Um, in Cam Newton's stats, let's see, Cam had 2,854 yards passing, 30 TDs, and 1,473 yards and 20 TDs. So he had 50 TDs and three, yeah, way less total yards. Like, man, like Kyler Murray, like, blew everyone out of the water. Let's see what um, Baker, Baker, Baker Mayfield stats. Baker Mayfield had. 4,627 yards passing, so the most out of anyone I've seen so far, and 43 touchdowns and only six picks, and that's for passing. And then for rushing, he had 311 yards and five TDs, so he had a total of 48 yeah, so Kyler Murray is, like, way ahead of everyone, like, as far as total stats, which I'm surprised, like, no one even, no one even mentions that. Let's see, Johnny, Johnny Manziel. Johnny had 4,000, well, that's the junior year, uh, sophomore year, or, f no, it's freshman year, redshirt freshman year. He had 3,706 yards passing, 26 TDs, and he had 1,400 yards rushing and 21 TDs. So he had, he only had 47, 47 TDs, and I mean, he's probably the closest, Lamar, Johnny, it's Kyler, Lamar, Johnny, and then Tebow was really the first one to get numbers like this. Let's see. Tim Tebow. Timmy. Let's see. Timmy in his sophomore year. 
had 3,286 yards passing, 32 TDs, and 6 interceptions. So let's see. 32. And then rushing, he had 895 and 23. So 23, so he had 55. So he's up there. And then, but his yards are just like not even close to Kyler Murray. So crazy. So, I mean, if anyone should talk about monster seasons, like as much as they want to downplay um, Kyler Murray's conference that he played in, it was still phenomenal to see. And he was, he's so fast. And like, you know, him being picked the, in the top of the baseball draft as well. He's a, he's just a, a freak of nature. He's not even that tall. He's just like a goddamn built. Like a, he's got a rocket arm. He's fast as hell. He seems to be really smart. Like it's just like it's unfair. Like it's, I I can't wait to see what he does for the Cardinals. I hope they do well. You know, it's they've had a couple of tough years recently. Um, so out of those, yeah, two was my top pick. I like I I mean the rest of these guys are good. I just feel Tua is probably going to run away with it. If he has another really good year, he's he's probably going to leave this year. So if he leaves, it's like, you know, it'll be it'll be kind of like a collective appreciation of what he's done over his career cuz he's he's going to have another really good year and they're going to dominate, you know, they're they you know, like I have them losing in the playoff. But, uh, you know, they're going to do dominate most everyone that they play. Um, so that is my picks for all that. Uh, there's not really any other big storylines going on so far. Um, I haven't heard anything, you know, you know. The transfer portal is definitely probably the biggest news just because it's had such an effect. But a lot of teams, you know, a lot of people, like the, the news media is, is like trying to say that the Gators have a lot of issues. But you know what? It's a lot of big schools have had issues with it. The only one that I've really seen that hasn't really affected that much was, like, Missouri. Like, Missouri has, like, none for some reason, which is, you know, I don't know why, but why the hell you would want to stay in Missouri? And they've even had success because they got Kelly Bryant. But, uh, no, the, the the season looks good. You know, I I only really previewed the, the, the Gator game with Ian just because there wasn't really any other games to preview. Um, I will go ahead and uh, preview everything. I'll review what happened this weekend and then preview next week. Um, there's a lot of good games. Um, I'm really excited about the, uh, I think the first the first week we have LSU, Texas. Uh, LSU, Texas, let's see. Or no, that's the second week. No, the, the one I'm excited about is the Auburn, uh, Oregon. Because I'd like to see um, how uh, Oregon comes out. It's a it's a, a neutral field game. I think it's in Texas. I think it might be uh, Jerry's World. Yeah, and um, so you know, it's um, it's a good game. And there's some other ones that day. We'll I'll go over that uh, next week. I'm gonna try to do these on Sunday or Monday. Uh, I haven't decided if I'm going to do um, a preview and then a review show just because it's it would be a little much to do too. But I kind of like doing that because it's like I could do 
I could do the review show on Sunday and then do a preview on like um, Wednesday night and have the preview for Wednesday night. I kind of like that idea just because of then like if there's storylines throughout the week, I can talk about them. Um, it's just going to be tough because I have a school schedule um, back in school again. Yes, yes, I am back in school and I'm in school for production so, yeah, uh, hopefully I will have enough time to be able to do all this. I think I will. I enjoy doing this. I really enjoy um, putting on the show. Hopefully the website will give us more traction. Um, but uh, that's it for today. Um, like I said, um, check out the... Uh, Instagram, which is uh, at hater underscore radio, and then check out the the Twitter, which is at hater underscore radio as well. Um, the website is haterradio.com. Uh, you can reach me at haterradio1 at gmail.com if you want to email. Um, those are all three ways. Technically four ways to contact You can leave comments on the articles The article, the season preview For the Gators is up by Ian Gibson The The SEC season outcast That I, or uh, preview I have up that I wrote myself Um, check all of those Out Um, I'm excited for this Gator game I'm excited for college football It's great that it's 150 years Um, we're back It is a joy to be doing this. Um, look for the game Saturday, 7 o'clock Eastern, 4 o'clock Pacific. Um, it should be a good one. I honestly think it might be closer than a lot of people think. I, I have a worry that it's going to be closer than people think. There's actually a lot of talent on Miami squad, and Florida has a lot of talent, but I think Miami's going to keep up with them. But anyways, um, I will talk to you guys next week. I'm out. Later. Thank you.